Welcome into this edition of the Illini cast. And I know I'm not really bringing the energy, but neither is the Illini football program because they lost 44 to 19 to the Purdue Boilermakers. We'll get to happier times as Illini fans uh, later. I don't know if sooner is the right word for it, but we'll, we'll get talking about that later. But yeah, what a mess, what a debacle by the coaching staff and by the players and Purdue wins 44-19 and want to welcome in Sonny to the Alana cast as part of the Big Panther podcast network and Sonny, yeah, not a lot of positives, but we'll try to scrounge for some. No, no, not a lot of positives at all. I, I think you tricked me today. You told me that we're going to talk about Devin Witherspoon last night and I didn't realize we we're going to record another episode. I wouldn't have come back on. Hey, I mean, we at least have Illini Times and Networks for Illini basketball, so that is nice where we can say, hey, there's only like three Peacock games, so that that's nice. But uh, yeah, the Peacock experience for Illini uh, football fans, uh, not the best. Uh, you look at some of the stat line, Hudson Card, 18 for 26 for 217 yards, two touchdowns, uh, Illinois passing game. Not great. 16 for 25 for Luke Altmeyer, 202 yards, uh, one touchdown, a lot of overthrows, and a 14.3 QBR in the ESPN QB rankings. So not a great look for this Illini offense. And then the defense, uh, obviously, when you're giving up 44 points to a Purdue Boilermakers team, that that's not good at all. Three rushing touchdowns uh, by all three running backs of Purdue, Tyrone Tracy, Devin Mockaby, and Dylan Downing. So they pretty much got whatever they wanted. Deion Burks uh, did what he does. He caught a touchdown after uh, an injury scare early on in the first quarter, and then Garrett Miller with a touchdown as well, and uh, Luke Altmeyer with a fumble that was recovered in the end zone by the Purdue Boilermakers, and a lot of questions uh, about the future of Illini football, for sure. Where do we even start? Um, Austin, you and I, we were definitely two of the more optimistic Illini fans that uh, I had come across. And uh, we're being made fools right now. I mean, in every sense of the word, this is just not a good, good football team. I don't like our offense. I don't like our defense. I have questions about coaching. Like for the first time in who knows how long, like I'm actually not questioning Beal in my long term, but like all of a sudden I can see the kinks in the armor there. And, you know, I do have some questions, which I kind of want to ask. And, you know, it's, you know, losing to Penn State was one thing. Losing to Kansas, we we're clearly the inferior team. They we're a lot faster than us. Uh, Penn State, you know, is projected to, you know, by some people win the Big Ten this Purdue game was so important and you know, this game was so important to Brett too, losing Ryan Walters and, you know, him being on the other side right now. And if our coaching staff with that kind of motivation can only produce that effort on the field on Saturday, then really at this point, where's the season going? I mean, you were, you were talking about 10 wins. I talked about nine. Are, are we going to hit six? Can we hit four? I mean, this is a very undisciplined football team. You had that fumble by Luke Altmeyer and the penalty yardage. Three for 15 for Purdue. And listen to this one, Sonny. 
nine penalties for 83 yards by this Illini team. And that's something that you thought Brett Bielema would be just elite at, would be at least producing disciplined football teams where you're like, all right, yeah, we may lose some games because of athleticism battles, but you never anticipated Illinois beating themselves the way they did. And again, you worry about coaching a little bit too when it comes to evaluating your own talent and seeing what you need in this ever-changing world of college football. It's so easy to improve your roster if you're in a position where Brett Bielema is in because you can go out and say to offensive linemen, hey, this is what we do. This is what we build. And for him to not hit the transfer portal because he thought he had some great things in like Geske and uh, um, Z Chrysler, I mean, these guys aren't great. These are bottom of the barrel Big Ten offensive linemen at the moment. And I worry about the coaches' evaluations of talent if this is what we can expect from Brett Bielema. I mean, he's got to rethink a lot of things when it comes to how he builds his program after uh, the cupboard's kind of barren after Alex Palczewski and Chase Brown and Sidney Brown and Devin Witherspoon all left the program to go to the NFL. So when it comes to his recruiting, I'm a little scared of what his own talent evaluation levels are at the moment. I don't know if I'm quite at that level yet. Um, you know, we saw Caden Fagan, you know, have a great game on Saturday. I just think some of his recruits are still a little too green to really be able to produce as much as we want on the field. What I'm worried about, and you kind of alluded to, is his strategy of using our NIL funds, which admittedly, as an Illinois uh, fan, uh, ours isn't as big as Nebraska's or some of the other schools, but focusing that on the retention of some of the players that we have, because right now you kind of see a team that has a lot of good players and a lot a team with a lot of not good players. We could have solved the middle, like you know, obviously. I don't know uh, if you uh, caught a peek of any of the Georgia-Auburn game, but seeing Avery Jones, you know, handle that Georgia defensive line, you know when Brett tweeted that out after his uh, him not showing up on moving day, you can see why. You know, he's an outstanding uh, senior uh, center. He would have looked so great in, on our offensive line. For me, I think that's the one big misfire Brett definitely had. It's obvious that we needed reinforcements, to keep us to being a good team. Because right now, yeah, we have some star players, but, you know, and again, we're gonna talk about this, you know, Gabe Jackis is really good, but where's he been? Like he, he had a good game against Penn State, but I can't think of another game where at the conclusion of the game, I was like, ah, oh, Gabe had a really good game. And so, I, you know, go ahead. Yeah, like, I think from a player development standpoint as well, I thought there'd be a more of a factory at this point in year three where I know Devin Witherspoon, you see what he did in Monday night football against the New York giants, but you think that some of these players that you lost, you could be, you could replace them at least like 80% of the way or 70% of the way. These guys are about 30% of what the players that left are and that's concerning you thought there'd be a little bit more plug and play in this program by now yeah i mean our elite players are elite players but when you talk about 
the rest of the team, I mean, I hate to even bring this up, but that talent level is the talent level that we were throwing out there in the Lovey era. You know, we're basically, we're just, you know, bad offensive lines, uh, defense scoring up, uh, you know, basically we're back at the strategy of the Lovey era where opposing teams can just kind of launch it into the air at one of our defensive backs on third down and assume that either the receiver's going to catch the ball or our defensive backs going to make some sort of mental mistake and get a penalty out of it. This is just not what we're expecting out of this team. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very confused. And again, it's where now Brett, I don't know if you've been watching the press conferences, but I think he senses the urgency. He knows that this season is on the brink of going downhill very, very fast. We're, we're starting to motion down. And I think, you know, personally, Friday night is going to be one of the most important games of Brett Bielema's career. I mean, yes, talent development matters as well, but you look at the 24-7 composite team talent rankings for the Big Ten, you can pretty much guess who's the top three, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and then you have Nebraska sneaking in there. You got to scroll a long way to get to Illinois. They are 14th on team talent rankings. They have the second least amount of four stars. Brett Bielema is never going to be like a recruiting ace, but the whenever the talent's not there and you're gaining Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA into this conference, it frightens you a little bit of where Illinois is in the pecking order of recruits and in transfers. And losses like this to teams that are of your ilk are going to make it more difficult this offseason to sell the vision of Illinois football to these recruits and to these transfers. You're exactly right. You know, I have no doubt in my mind of Brett Bielema's coaching acumen and his ability. But again, for the first time, I'm starting to question, can Brett Bielema adjust to the 2.0 version of his career? Because now it's not about getting the high three star and developing them into a four star because the Big Ten that he's about to enter into next year is a lot different than the one he was winning Rose Bowls with uh, a decade ago. We're at the point where he's got to alter his NIL strategy, and that's just painfully obvious. Is that something he's willing to do? And not only that, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, we gave Barry Lunny uh, Jr. his credit last week, and I'm taking it right back this week. Um, if Brett lets go of Lonnie Jr. like I feel like it's trending towards, that's two offensive coordinators now that he's completely misfired on. And obviously he has a strategy in place and he keeps claiming that, you know, they're, we're trying to develop some sort of identity. I don't know what he means by uh, that at this point. But is he willing to make an adjustment and think outside the box when it comes to his offensive coordinator? Because right now, our offense has clearly regressed from last year. And, you know, as you mentioned, we've got Oregon coming, we've got USC coming, we got Washington coming. You know, those aren't only good teams. Those are really, really good offensive teams. And we're going to be nearing the point where it's almost going to require you to score 30 points a game to finish 500 in the Big Ten. And is does Brett see that? Can we make that adjustment? I mean, we've had some bright moments 
on offense for Illinois, but just like the Cubs have in the Theo Epstein era, they had some bright moments with their offense. But how? What was the best thing that the Cubs could do every offseason in Theo's mind? Fire the hitting coach. You're gonna have fire the hitting coach. Fire the hitting coach. And at some point, it's like, oh, maybe you just don't have the Jimmys and Joes uh, to make contact with the ball and deliver clutch RBIs. I think we're getting to that point with Brett Bielema's offense where, yes, you can fire all the offensive coordinators you want, but until you bring some team speed at, at the wide receiver position, whenever you get guys that can get separation, when you have guys that can catch the football, that's going to truly unlock this offense, not some schematic advantage that you can – that you think you can dream up because th- there's other great coaches in the Big Ten too. And it's got to be about getting some talent, getting some athleticism. And right now that's where Illinois is severely lacking, especially on offense at the wide receiver position and then physicality on the offensive line. Yeah, and, you know, that's just offense. You know, it's defensively, you know, I don't know. You know, our new linebackers coach, he, he came with a lot of fanfare. Like, there, a lot of people were hyping him up. The recruits, you know, he had a really good start when it comes to him, his first recruiting season. But I don't know if I'm seeing the development out of the stars that I thought I would. I really thought that by – we're almost at we're almost mid-season. I really thought that Gabe Jackis would be a much better-known name now in the Big Ten. I feel like Big Ten circles would be should be talking about him right now. You know, obviously he's got the talent. He's one of the best freshmen in the country last year. And, you know, there was word, you know, SEC teams were sniffing around at him. But, you know, he hasn't developed. So I'm, I'm not going to put him on the hot seat or anything like that. But, you know, I, I'm afraid, like, to think that if we have to, you know, he Brett made two big hires this offseason. Um, defensive coordinator, which he obviously was just an upgrade uh, for Aaron Henry, but also the linebackers coach. And we've seen his higher, uh, two hires in the offensive coordinator, which were up in, until this point, I think I can say objective failures. If he, you know, one of the things I loved about Brett was his huge black book of assistant coaches, you know, that I thought he's had. But now I'm just starting to wonder if that book is still going to be working in this new era of college football that we're um, that we're at. I mean, he needs to find a talent getter, whether however the staff opens up positions this next upcoming cycle, whether it's like guys just moving on to different jobs, whether it's uh, Brett firing somebody. I mean, there needs to be some serious talent getters on this staff. And I think that's something that is severely lacking. Um, and I think you need to take a little bit more nationwide step because the state of Illinois across the board is not the most athletic state in terms of like defensive backs and wide receivers. Like, yes, you can find a Malik Elsey. Yes. You can find some, some decent players in the state. I'm not saying that, but whatever you're missing out on some of the talent in Florida and Texas and, and all that, like, you're automatically a step behind of what you can do. Um, I love that he made the inroads in Illinois, but 
Illinois is not the end-all be-all in terms of getting talent for this U of I football team because, man, 44-19 to to a team like Purdue with similar athletes that you have and um, seemingly on paper, it spells trouble for what a team like Nebraska can do even. Like, I'm not confident about Nebraska coming up this next weekend. I mean, that's the sad part about this is that I don't know where the wins are coming from like that. This is a complete embarrassment. This was a season where you can say, Hey, we might not be Washington. We not be, might not be Ohio state, but at least we can be the first one up in that next tier. And right now you're getting passed up by a lot of teams at the moment. Rutgers has passed us up. I mean, I mean, that's plenty obvious. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, there's a, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like Purdue, they just beat us by 25 points, you know, and that's a team with the first year head coach. We're the team with the third year head coach. Northwestern, you know, is looking way more promising than I wanted to think that they were capable of being. I mean, can you imagine losing that game at the end of the year? And can you say for a 100% certainty right now that you think that we're going to win that game? I, I have it at like a 65% chance that we win that. And if we I had asked you that question five weeks ago, it would have been 90, 95%. So, you know, it, it our trajectory is not going nearly in the direction that I thought it would be going. And I'm just, I'm genuinely befuddled on what we need to do about it. That, I mean, are we just going to keep making changes on the offensive line? I feel like, Brett has seen these guys enough and he's seen them enough in practice that if there were better guys waiting in the wings, Brett knows there's a lot of pressure on in this situation. I think he would have made the move right now. I, I just don't think the guys are there. And if the guys aren't there, then we're really in for just a really long season where, you know, even making a bowl game is might not be attainable right now. And I, I can't believe I'm even saying that now. I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head like that. If there was a change to be made of offensive coordinator, or at least play calling abilities, that move would have been made. But you just don't have the protection of Luke Altmeyer. You don't have the wide receivers to help him out. Luke Altmeyer has a lot of question marks. He missed some wide open throws uh, this past Saturday. Um, the running back room, you love Caden Fegan, but that's pretty sad whenever your best running back is a freshman from um, Arthur Lovington. I mean, that is so sad that that might be your best offensive weapon um, is a freshman running back. And I am terrified of what teams like Iowa and Wisconsin can do um, defensively against this group where you you won't even need production from the backup of Cade McNamara um, at Iowa. You won't need much offense from Wisconsin to beat this Illinois team. So this is a group that also is going to lose confidence game after game after game. So these 44-19 losses can start to start to balloon a little bit. And I am very scared about what the mindset is about the of these players going into Nebraska. You and I both. I think I think the psyche on this team right now is very fragile. 
I think uh, you can see it even on Brett's face as he walks up and down the sidelines. Like, you know, as we, we keep harping on over and over again, he sees what's going on. And I think even there's a sense of panic in his eyes. I think Nebraska on Friday is going to be a get-right game for one of these teams. Which team? I have no idea. I'm sad to say I'm not very confident that it's on our side. But there's, you know, the nation's going to be watching. It's Friday night. You know, it's Nebraska, and I'm just fearful that you know Nebraska's, you know, they're sacking everybody right now, and what chances does our offensive line have against a team that's just sacking everybody? It's our psyche is so fragile that I, I do think, you know, if there's an early big stop in the uh, first and second quarter, Nebraska comes back and scores. And all of a sudden Illinois is in the same position that they seem to be in every single game where it's just, okay, we're down two scores. Luke, try to, you know, uh, throw the ball and get us back into the game because we can't run it anymore because we're already down two scores. Then Luke is starting to panic because Luke knows he's got 2.2 seconds to make a throw. He's forcing things. Our wide receivers outside Isaiah Williams can't get open. It's just the same old story over and over again. And, uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to see this being played out nine more times this season. I think it's scarier for Illinois because Matt Rule is a first-year coach and he can just say, hey, we are going through the process. We are building and growing together as a team. With Brett Bielema, he has to go to his guys and say, hey, we aren't that Big Ten West champion team. Like, we we got to readjust some things. Like, that's a scarier mindset to go into a game like this where Nebraska is almost playing for fun and Illinois has all the pressure on it, um, no matter what the Nebraska fan base is. These Nebraska fan, these Nebraska players are playing for fun. They are playing for the growth. They are playing for building the program for the next years. With Illinois, you thought that all right, a bowl game is going to be the minimum. Okay, cool. Maybe playing for Indianapolis uh, would be awesome. Be beat by Ohio State or Penn State or whoever it is. But now it's like, hey guys, you might not make a bowl game, and that's. If I'm a college athlete, that's the scariest place to be in. It's, it's you know, I don't know what else to say. It's, uh, again, it's such a bummer because, like you said, you know, it's Purdue, first-year head coach. You know, we're already losing recruiting battles to them. And now to see us lose that resoundingly on the field, you know, you know Ryan Walters on Sunday called up every single recruit that we're going to head to head for and asking them if they watched that game. And, you know, Brett probably did the same thing and was hoping the answer was no. we got to make some moves, you know, like, you know, it, it I, I think the frustrating part is Austin. I still believe that we have the upper level talent to still, I mean, you look at the rest of our schedule, the only game I think that we probably can't win is Maryland. Are, are you sure the, about that? I, I, right now, I think talent-wise, I think that's the only game that if we were to turn around and play to the capabilities of that I think that we can play, I don't think we can keep up with Maryland. Uh, but, you know, Iowa is losing their uh, quarterback. They're down their two top uh, running backs. They're out there, um, start-to-start, tight end. 
you know, we have Indiana. Like, I'm not saying these are games we'd even be favored in, but I think it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if we won at Nebraska on Friday and we were able to, you know, Brett was able to shift a couple things around. I still think our talent level is there to beat the remaining part of our schedule. I just don't know how much confidence I have of those adjustments being made. And I guess that's what's that's what hurts about this season. When I was having these conversations uh, during the Lovey Smith era, I knew the talent level wasn't there. I knew the coaching wasn't there. So it was just kind of helpless. It didn't hurt as much because I just knew we were outmanned every single time. Right now, I don't necessarily think we're outmanned. I just think there's a couple glaring holes and it's just making this season one of the hardest ones for me to watch as an Illinois football fan. See, I'm kind of at the inverse of you. I, I think the talent is the deficiency at the moment. I think the coaching is the coaching. Um, they, they did enough last year to make a bowl game, this coaching staff. I know you had Ryan Walters, who's really good, but Aaron Henry was in those rooms. And I look at this talent, especially in the interior of that offensive line, if you can't protect the running game, if you can't protect a quarterback, it's hell for you in the Big Ten. So I think that offensive line is one of the worst units in the Big Ten, and that makes me believe that they can't win because whenever you don't have an offensive line, it's absolute torture to watch every single week. So I don't. I think there's only two more wins here. I think Northwestern wow. and Indiana. Like I, I just look at this team. You have wide receivers that can't get separation outside of Isaiah Williams, who's not tall enough to do some great jump ball passes that Luke Altmaier is going to need. Um, you have Luke Altmaier, a quarterback whose confidence is dwindling by the game. Um, defensively, um, Jerzon Newton is just an unbelievable animal who is uh, going to be a first-round pick, yes, but – you look at some of the secondary; they're still very, very green this year. They can they can improve in the next year um, for their sophomore or junior seasons. Um, but this is a crew that I just have little faith in to get much of anything accomplished this year, and it's going to set the program back. And a lot of that is because Brett Bielema didn't use the transfer portal to its biggest capability. I agree with you with that part, obviously. Um, having a bad season this year is not going to help with recruiting moving forward. I mean, we really needed to ride the momentum of that eight wins from last year. Um, I agree with you on the offensive line, but again, in my opinion, I think, you know, we can bring in an extra tight end and, you know, I, use a, a 12 formation, just try to make some adjustments that we beat the teams that, because we're not playing really any more offensively, like great, like Purdue, for all their faults, they do have some offensive talent on that team. Like they have some playmakers, they have a good quarterback. Um, outside Maryland, we're not really going to be running into that as much uh, for the rest of the season. You know, I think we're at the point now where I think Isaiah Williams is clearly our best offensive weapon. But now it's time to give Malik Elzey a lot more time on the field and let him grow on the field. I think, let's see, we know he's got talent. We know he's got the physical traits. Let's see him develop on the field. Uh, I think he could be, you know, because as you talked about, you know, Bryant and Washington, they're just, they're not getting open, you know. And again, it, 
it's tough when you know you only have two seconds to, you know, from the hike to throwing the ball, and your guys aren't giving you a window to throw it into. So I think, you know, we make some offensive adjustments. Obviously, the offensive line is the key here. You know, it's we got to figure something out. And I know we're, you know, five weeks into saying that now, but, you know, whether you move the formation around a little bit, you know, you have to make some sort of adjustments. I'm not going to call for the season yet. I, I, I'm still going to try to be a little optimistic. I still think Luke is a really good quarterback. I know he missed some wide open throws on uh, at Purdue, but I just think now he's kind of at the point where, you know, because he's young, he's not being put in a position to build his confidence. He's being constantly, he's constantly panicking. And the one times he does have just a simple throw to make, he almost can't believe it. And, you know, he, he just throws a, a couple duds. On defense, you know, for now, I'm still going to believe that since they've underperformed, uh, underperformed outside Newton, I still think, you know, uh, Randolph, uh, Jackus, and I'm just, I'm just going to try to be optimistic here and think that the secondary can continue to grow, that the more offensive, uh, the more defensive tape that they're watching every single week. I'm not saying that they're going to become a good secondary. What I'm saying is because they're so young, you know, they can at least start limiting the mistakes, limiting the penalties, because that's what's killing us right now. It's we're one of the worst third down defensive teams in the country this year. And so at some point, I'm not saying they're going to, but I'm saying in my crazy head, I'm going to be optimistic that the message finally gets through and the mistakes, the sloppiness that we're playing with, um, that starts to dwindle down. And that's why, you know, I still think, you know, I'm still going to choose to believe that we can still, I'm not saying we're going to, I think now we're maybe a four or five win team, but we can still beat everyone uh, left on our schedule. I, I just feel like the excuses are dwindling for that defense. Like, because you have the excuse of Jalen Daniels, like, oh, don't worry, you won't play another quarterback like that the rest of the way. So uh, let's take this game with a grain of salt with Drew Aller in the, in the Penn state game, it was like, Hey, um, uh, I, I just, uh, uh, with the Penn state game, it was, Hey, if the, if Luke Altmaier didn't throw four interceptions, then, um, then maybe the defense stands a little bit more of a chance. This was Hudson card, just pretty much dissecting the defense on third down. I mean, eight for 13, uh, for the game. That was just, uh, that was just insanity. And so like, I don't care who the offense is right now. I think this Illinois defense is severely broken at the moment, talent-wise. Then we have Nebraska this Friday. And who do we have? Is it Maryland the week after? Uh, after Yeah, Maryland after that. I so mean, that secondary is going to get wrecked. We're looking. I, that again, I hark back. I think this game Friday night is that important. Because otherwise, we're staring at 0-4 in the Big Ten right in the face. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Now I do remember that. Maryland game is the one that they're going to put on NBC on, you know, for the whole world to see uh, yep. leading into the uh, Notre Dame-USC. So, again, you're gonna, we're going to have the entire world watch us um, get beat. You know, I mean, that could be a 45-10, 50 
17 game if we don't uh, start fixing things on the field really fast. So we need to, you know, put everything behind us on Saturday. Obviously, we have some glaring holes. Um, Friday is going to be a huge game. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say I'm not nervous because it's, 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 you know, Nebraska doesn't really have the talent. I Well, they've got the talent there, but I, I don't know if they've got they're ready yet. You know, they're, I know they're on their what, second or third quarterback. Um, their top two running backs are gone. They run a lot, a lot of uh, RPOs, I think I, I, I was reading. So it's, I think it's a, te- it's a team we can beat, but it, it, it's one of those games where I think the final score is going to be 31-13. I just don't know which one has 31 and which one has 13. See, here's the thing. Like, I, I'm not nervous about this Illinois-Nebraska game because what does it ultimately mean? Like, I am at that point of the Illinois football fan life of the season because, cool, you win this you win this game. Like, what are you playing for, five wins? Like, I, I don't see six, and that should be the ultimate goal this year is at least making a bowl game again. And I, I simply do not see it at this point. Like, the offense is critically just ill at the moment, and there's no there's no player right now that can revive that at all. Luke Altmaier shown that he can't. Uh, Isaiah Williams is doing all he can, but it's still just not enough. Casey Washington is giving you nothing. Pat Bryant's giving you nothing. Um, again, this offensive line, I, I hate hammering on them, but they are probably 13th or 14th in the offensive line rankings. It's bad. Um, but I, I, I think I, I do disagree with you in the fact, like, I think there's a huge difference between, at least where we are right now, between having five wins or ending the season with two or three. Um, it, you, we win two or, two or three uh, Big Ten games, and all of a sudden you're talking about, does Malik Elzey leave? You know, do other teams come sniffing around some of our young players that, you know, Brett has recruited? And do we see talent going away? Because, you know, again, you and I, we don't have some questions about Brett, but obviously his recruiting in this era is something we are kind of worried about. I think if we can salvage this season as a middle-of-the-road, just not very good Big Ten team, that should pretty much be our goal as opposed to being one of those, look, that one year Illinois had was a fluke. That eight years, look, they're one of the worst programs in the Big Ten. You're going to be finishing last or second to last every single year. I think that would put a huge hit on our recruiting. And so that's why I think from this point on, like, you know, Nebraska is super important because a lot of people, a lot of recruits, they're going to be watching that game. That's why, you know, again, Maryland, I'm not feeling confident about, and that's going to be – a pretty bad blow but the games thereafter it's going to be huge like we've got to beat the indianas we've got to beat the northwesterns and you know we have to i mean at this point just get very very lucky against a team like iowa which again i'm not saying i see it happening at all and now i'm pretty much crossing wisconsin off as a win too especially since that one's away but i think we need it's it's very important that we don't crash and burn the rest of the season. Because I think even if we salvaged 
mediocrity, we can help that build forward to next year. And hopefully then we kind of count on Brett making the adjustments, whether it talks about his uh, coaching staff or his NIL strategy, you know, making those adjustments that are obviously desperately needed for this football team. Because right now I don't know if there's any changes to be made mid-season that he can do right now. Right, there isn't. This is a Jimmy's and Joe's issue. And I know it will never be Colorado like what they did in the portal, like grabbing like 51 new players or whatever astronomical number that was of new players that Deion Sanders brought in. But I I, I hope that we see some wholesale changes uh, to this roster next year because this just isn't a roster built to compete uh, in the long haul. Um, yeah, there are some great uh, freshman defensive backs that you would like to salvage and everything, but I, I think it's going to take some wholesale changes for this program to get to a consistent level of winning that we all wanted from Brett Bielema. I'm not sure. Like You're probably right, but... I know they've been recruiting the heck out of the offensive linemen, you know, and offensive linemen are just the toughest position to recruit or cause just cause they take so long to get right. Like they're, they're the position by far that's at a huge size deficiency compared to the guys that they're already playing, uh, playing against. And like, I'm very confident. I would say above average confident about our quarterback room. I, I think Luke Altmyers uh, in a, even a normal setting, is a good quarterback. I like our running backs room. Um, you know, whether love is playing or not, I think McCray was starting to have a couple of good games. I really saw, really like what I saw from Fegan. Um, wide receivers, obviously we've been recruiting young guys, um, who are the, you know, the four star rated. Like, and I, I think we need to start throwing a Malik Elzey out there now, let him get his mistakes out of the way. And let's just see if he can develop into the player that we all think uh, he can develop. So, Quarterback, wide receivers, or sorry, running backs, our defensive backs, we've been recruiting like crazy. As you said, they're just green. Um, you know, it's a simple matter of is Aaron Henry the guy to coach them up like Ryan Walters was? I'm just going to say yes now just for the sake of the conversation. I like the talent there. Defensive line, we obviously have some huge issues. When Newton and Randolph are gone next year, um, we have not recruited that position very well. And so that's going to be one of our glaring holes uh, next year. Linebackers, I'm not too familiar off the top of my head. I think I don't feel like we've been doing as good of a job uh, there either. We're going to be desperate for Gabe Jackis to make that leap that he hasn't made so far this year. So it's like I, I think we have some good position rooms still intact uh, moving forward. But it, it's definitely going to need some. NIL um, injections to fill out the roster because there's no way we can go in with the glaring holes that we have evident this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at the offensive line depth chart. I like Hunter Whiteneck. Um, I think he's going to be a good player for Illinois in the future. Brandon Henderson as a freshman. Um, 
but there's just a lot of guys that are going to be great as interior offensive linemen. I don't see that next uh, guy on the roster right now that's like, oh, man, he's the left tackle of the future uh, for Illinois football. So I think that's going to be a position of great need in terms of the depth chart um, for the transfer portal coming up. I think I, I like the interior of these guys whenever they become older. But right now it's it's a very rough watch for Illinois offense. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, you know, we keep going in circles. It's uh, something needs to be done. Um, I know we. I'm, I guess I'm just counting on Brett Bielema with offensive linemen. That's kind of the position I most trust him to develop. But now, as I say that out loud, I trusted. I trust Brett Bielema in a lot of things, and it's kind of failed this year. So it's like, is that a false sense of confidence that I have, and that I need to? start e- re-evaluating. But, you know, again, that's that's why I think it's going to be super important to try to get the win on Friday. I think Friday could very well be the most important game of the season because if we lose Friday, I mean, if we lose Friday, it would be bad. If we get embarrassed Friday and we're about to get embarrassed against Nebraska, you're talking about three games in a row. I think the team morale is going to be super down. Brett's going to have no choice to make some moves like Indiana just made, you know, whether it be on the coaching staff or whatever it might be. And I'm not saying in any sort of way that Brett would be on in even a warm seat, but you know, Illini Twitter, you know, the Illini journalists out there, like for the first time, like you're going to at least start hearing whispers on can Brett get it done? Yeah, I mean, this next year is going to be the def- the defining factor of Brett Bielema's tenure as an Illini coach. Like, I kind of want to talk to like an Arkansas guy. Like, where did where was the sliding scale that you were like, uh oh, like this is starting to spiral a little bit? Like, what happened? What was going on inside the locker room? What was going on with the with recruiting when Brett Bielema's Arkansas tenure kind of slipped? Like, I'm like, is are we on that same playbook? Is this a blip? Like there's things that you like want to get ahead of right now. And, um, which I know with the portal, like we, like I've been discussing ad nauseum, uh, this podcast that can shift things really quickly. I mean, look at West Virginia, what they've done. Neil Brown was, uh, cooked. Everyone has had him on every hot seat imaginable. And now he's pulling off one of the best coaching jobs, uh, in the, in the country right now, turning West Virginia into at least a respectable program once again. Yeah, uh, you're right. I, you know, I was actually a defender of his time in Arkansas because, you know, I, you, you see what the people after him have been able to do with that program. And, you know, it hasn't been much better, but talking to someone like you suggested, who kind of, watch the day-to-day actions like they may have already gone through the process and the questioning that you and i are just starting with so you know maybe you know that's something we can look forward to like you know in a future podcast i can we can try to find someone but uh it's, it's just a bummer that we're about to enter what week six and we have nine questions for every one positive certainty uh right now in this season I really wanted to talk like about the micro about like 
play to play um, every single week of this podcast. Like I never anticipated going big picture for a long, long time about Illinois football. Like, yes, whenever Washington, Oregon and USC and UCLA enter the enter the conference, we can start that big picture conversation of where does Illinois fit in this new Big Ten? Like, yes, like that's exciting. But now it's like, oh, where does Illinois fit in this new Big Ten? It's very scary. And again, we are two and three and we are having these conversations because the losses haven't been pretty. They haven't been like, oh, Purdue just got everything right. That final drive kicked a game winning field goal. This was a drubbing. And that's the worst part about this all is the way this game went. Now looking good, Austin. It's uh, we're at a point where we got to turn things around ASAP because, you know, I, short week i'm hoping it's a good thing in the sense where we can kind of get the taste of last saturday out of our mouths sooner rather than later but i think we're lucky in one sense that we're playing nebraska this week and not maryland this week because uh you know i know you don't think we're going to beat nebraska but i i still think both of our programs um at least today are kind of both teams are in shambles both teams are very sloppy and i think we have a chance of winning i think another two three touchdown loss can basically spiral this team downwards and you know really break the team mentally and you know completely break this fan base who's already on edge i think the Atlanta fans are already broken i mean yeah. based on twitter last on on saturday that was as dark as I've seen Illini Twitter since, like, maybe the Loyola loss. Um, because, because I mean, you had all – you had the expectation of winning against Purdue. You had Ryan Walters. You had, like, the game where who could take credit for all the good things that happened to Illinois last year, and Ryan Walters took the credit. Yeah, and, you know, it's just – I really dislike Ryan Walters. You know, uh, you saw the end of that game where Purdue could have kind of uh, ran out the clock. They didn't. They went the complete opposite, getting that 44-19, which, you know, I think there's almost a sickness, you know, which I'm not blaming him for. You know, it's it's a competitive nature, but he's now provided Brett Bielema with his first ever loss. Or, no, I'm sorry, worst ever loss in the Big Ten. It's one of those where I knew, we all know that it's going to be a rivalry moving forward uh, with Purdue. And losing to him that way and seeing how our programs are seen to be on the complete opposite trajectories was just completely demoralizing. And, you know, this is definitely one of the worst weeks I've felt uh, of being an Illinois football fan. And that, that sentence itself holds so much weight because it's not like we've had plenty of good ones. Well, Sonny, I wish we had better news for the listeners out there, but uh, keep listening uh, to the Atlanta cast. We'll have uh, more on this Atlanta football team. Maybe they beat Nebraska. Maybe we'll have something to cheer on again. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk some basketball here as well. Like, this is... Uh, <laughs> Not a football exclusive podcast. We are going to be talking a lot about 
everything Illinois. So and uh, basketball is coming soon. Yes. This might become just a Devin Witherspoon appreciation podcast. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Sonny, thank you again and uh, have a great rest of your night. You too, Austin. We'll I'll catch up later. Absolutely. This has been the Illini cast part of the big banter podcast network.